Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey yo folks, this is the Conesy with the Most. We are here to record episode 74, I believe it is, after a long wait. It is April 2nd and that is not an April Fool's for you. This is actually a show. So, <laughs> I'm joined by the one, the only, the crazy, the stark, the raving mad one himself. Brian, how's it going, buddy? Yo, 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 pretty good, seeing if we remember how to do this. <laughs> that is definitely a... An issue we're going to have to tackle. So it has been, what, about a year and a quarter, I think, since we recorded last. We've had a lot of stuff going on in our lives. You graduated college. I moved. Just general insanity. Um, it's left just about enough time, I think, in both of our lives to game and, and try not and post some hobby stuff over the past year to keep everybody tantalized. But here we are back. We're recording and putting together another episode, and it feels kind of good. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So, today we just got off uh, the high that is Adepticon, and so we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Adepticon, what we did, all the events we played in, the ramp up to Adepticon, and then we'll kind of jump into, um, kind of at the tail end, I think we'll talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some hopes for what we're going to continue doing with the show and where things are going to go to hopefully give you guys uh, an idea and you know, that what we're going to do and what you're going to expect to hear on future episodes of Wisco Dice uh, as we continue to record through the rest of this year. So that being said, Brian, I think let's go ahead and start out. We Bolt Action was definitely one of those big events that uh, you did a bunch of stuff with, I did a little stuff with, so let's talk about that and, and let's start with the ramp up because you did a lot of hobby just getting yourself ready to go for the bolt action events and the conflict 47 events you part, uh, played in. Yeah, I had a little bit to do this time. I don't know if I didn't leave myself enough time or what, but I didn't actually finish everything I intended. I think, I don't even remember when I actually started doing it. It was probably only a few weeks before Adepticon when the list became due that I knew what I needed to get done. So I had submitted my list for nationals. Um, I decided to go Germans this time, just try something different. I won the best allied or whatever, so now I had to, you know, try and win something else this time. Not really, but I just felt like bringing the Germans for something different. And since I played the Germans for conflict, I was able to just bring one army, which was a little more convenient. So since I haven't really played them much in bolt action, I was still really trying to figure out my list. I don't think, I don't even know after Adepticon if I have more than 10 games in with my Germans yet. Did some playtesting and stuff. Um, I kind of swapped out. I was using half tracks just because they are what I have modeled, but I decided trucks seemed just a lot better for the points, so I finally wanted to get a truck. Stacy had actually given me a, a, whatever, a 222, the little armored car for the Germans, and I thought that'd be kind of a fun thing to try out, maybe pair well with the Panzer. and. I played one practice game against you, and it seemed kind of useful and fun, so I decided I wanted to finish that, and it was good motivation to complete something. And then for Conflict, like, we didn't even have to submit lists for that, but I had bought some Falcons, uh, the Falchenjager Falcon Squad. Like, they're the fly guys in heavy armor, and they seemed like they'd be fun to play, so I committed myself to getting those done which was kind of silly because that was probably the most work. I think it was two weekends before I busted out the two vehicles really quick. 
because I don't know how I'm painting my vehicles. They just come out really quick. It's just a lot of brushing of one color, essentially, and then a wash. So those are really fast, and I more or less finished most of them in it them in a day. But then just being busy with regular life stuff, like the time just kept slipping away leading up to Adepticon, and I had those Falcons to finish. I think I started them the weekend before, and then I was... I committed myself to doing them, so I stayed up pretty late on, I guess it was Thursday night before going. I think I worked on them for like five hours or something like that until like two in the morning to finish them out. And then I still had to do a little bit of basing just after the wash had dried. So I woke up and I had to paint the rim on the base and then I glued a little bit of the tufts on there to finish them out. So I feel like I finally got that full tournament goer experience of finishing models the morning of the tournament. Yeah. So. Well, I guess you got one more level to go now. You can be the guy who's still painting in the hotel room uh, <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning the night before the, the tournament. That'll that'll be the true measure of official tournament goer, which yeah, I'll note I have not done yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had gone to Adepticon, had started already when I was still working on the models, but I didn't have any events on that Thursday, so. I was able to do them here and I could have skipped them, you know, and just kept them for later, but it's really good motivation to kind of have a goal and that exact time to be able to finish up the models. Um, the thing, I make a display board for my Germans, but I could have threw like a pretty simple one together real quick, but I kind of wanted to make like a little fancier one with maybe like some, like a bunker and some trench works and stuff like that. So I just didn't really have the time for that. And, I guess it worked out okay. Like, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later, but it didn't seem like there was much emphasis on soft scores and stuff. This year, the Nationals will run a, run a little different, so I wasn't too worried about it. So, yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of hobby ramp up for yourself going into a tournament, and I didn't play in any bolt action tournaments, so I had no bolt action ramp up. When we talk about the stuff, the, some of the, the turn, at least the competitive play that I did later, there was a little ramp up, but it wasn't. Uh, I, I really wasn't doing anything specific for Adepticon, so it felt really good for me this year to just kick back and take it on cruise control right into Adepticon, with not having to worry about hobby for it, not having to worry about that portion of the aspect. I did some some last minute crunching on Army List. That was about it. <laughs> so we got to Adepticon, and the first event well, on the bolt action track was the, for either of us, was the Battle of Kursk, um, which has been in a, an event I've done every year uh, that it's that it's been there. So Battle of Kursk is, a, for those that don't remember me talking about it previous years, is a, a giant tank battle with uh, Germans versus Soviets. And there's, I think we had like 20 tanks, I think, total on the Soviet side this year. And I think there was 12 tanks on the, German side, and it's in, it's on a, a wider than usual table. Um, he added some new terrain to this table, so there were some buildings in the center, and it was just it was a really good time, just rolling rolling guns at tanks and driving them as fast as you could to try to uh, at, at the German lines, so that we could get close up the distance and equalize our tanks' ability to have destructive power against the Germans. Germans fatefully did decide to advance their center, which probably was the biggest bite for them and 
after um, I think about three hours, the Germans out threw in the towel and were done. So it was a solid Soviet victory this year at the Battle of Kursk. So you're playing Soviet again? Oh yeah, Soviets <laughs> all the way. You've never played the Germans in the Kursk battle? I nope, never played the Germans. I've always been on Team Soviet. I see how it is. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the Germans were my first bolt-action army. I don't mind playing the Germans, but it's and it certainly is a great excuse to get an opportunity to play like a tiger or some of the other big cats that the Germans can field from that side of the house. Yeah, it's just something special about pushing around, being on the side with like 20 T-34s and and various other Soviet tanks uh, and seeing how far you can push up the field and and, uh, take them on. Although, you know, if I do this event next year... I might just actually take the side of the Germans, if only for the fact that I think I figured out the Soviet strategy, and now I should actually sit on the other side of the table and see if I can figure out a, a German strategy for winning this battle. Yeah, that could be a fun change to keep it new and fresh, because, yeah, you've done it quite a few times now. So. Seems to be a tradition now for me to, to show up and be part of that event. Yeah. Pretty fun, easy start to the weekend, nice oh, yeah. and light. Definitely it is. It's loose, it's fun. Half the guys that play in it don't don't know the first thing about bolt action. So I'm sure the, the guy that organizes it appreciates me being there because I, I just basically took the Soviet players and ran them through the same explanation he did for the German players. Oh, that's pretty helpful. And getting new players interested. That's always the hope. So, what was your first event, Brian? Well... As I said previously, you knew I was still hobbying on Thursday night, so I didn't have anything till Friday. I was in the conflict event that was Friday. It started at noon, so it was kind of nice not having to go super early and not having to be there like the night before or anything. So it was kind of a pretty easy morning just rolling down there. They ran at a pretty good schedule, so it finished on a reasonable time, too. We actually had quite a big turnout this year. I remember if I ever talked about it last year, but I also played in it last year. It was the kind of same setup, just three rounds, 12 50-point lists. Really not much info was given out ahead of time. Like I said, we didn't even have to submit lists or anything. Like, didn't really know what there was going to be for any kind of, like, tournament points or scenarios or anything like that. But last year, I think there was, like, five of us playing before the event, like all 12 slots were filled this year, so that was really cool. I don't know where all these conflict players came from, but that's pretty cool to see compared to the previous years when I've either played in it or watched it. A couple dropped before the event, and then one other person didn't show up, so we ended up, I think, with nine players, but we still had four games going. Uh, I think the two of the people I had played last year were playing again this year, so it was cool to see them. I think we were playing similar <laughs> list to what we had last year too at least two of us had commented each other on, on about that although when i did play them like the falcons are actually a pretty cool unit they're quite a few points but since they can fly they're really fast and then the heavy armor they're really resilient so it was really good that i ended up finishing those up they actually had an impact in all my games i was kind of worried i put all that effort in and then you know i'd put them on the table and they wouldn't really add anything so it was cool to get that back it was interesting. Most of my opponents and most of the guys there, apparently, they actually only played conflict. Like, I thought most people would kind of get into conflict secondary to bolt action, but most all of them were 
solely conflict players. So that was kind of interesting. Some of them talked. I was kind of trying to keep my rules straight between bolt action version two and conflict since I don't play it very often. There's a little subtle differences here and there still as they've, the rules have gotten closer together, but it's pretty interesting to see that they're only conflict players. Um, so I ended up, I did pretty well in this event. Um, it was three rounds. I gotta remember now after all my bolt action games. So I was playing my Germans. The first round, I think I played a lot of different stuff than I'd ever seen in conflict in the past. I think the first round I played Americans, I wanna say. I'm trying to remember what the list was like. Yeah, it was definitely Americans. Cause he had like the Tesla Sherman. Or no, it was actually British. That's what it was. So it was British. Um, the conflict stuff in it was like the Tesla Sherman and he had the Galahad suits, the British heavy armored stuff. I had never played, faced them before. And also the automatons. So those were kind of different. Like all those guys have machine guns. So it was pretty crazy. And I think that whole game I was like shooting at his automatons and they're also tough. So you can only in- hurt them on a six. And I don't, I didn't kill a single one of them the whole game. So that was pretty crazy. But. Luckily, the scenario for this one was kind of like a version of envelopment or something like that. It was a slightly smaller deployment area. You were trying to either get to that slightly smaller area or off the table still. So this is kind of one of the games where my Falcons ended up working out pretty good. And there was quite a bit of kills back and forth. I think I probably killed like five of his units and he maybe killed two or three. But then... My one walker was able to get off his table edge, and then on the last turn, my falcons with their flight were able to just fly in, and their heavy armor um, were able to keep them there, even though he had a few dice left to put shots on them. But they stayed, and that won me the game, so that was a pretty cool move for the falcons. The second game, I'm pretty sure I played British again. This was kind of the craziest list, and... I didn't really expect it or think about it too much when we went into it, but I think there must have been two platoons around because he had two big walkers in his list. I don't remember which ones they were. I think one was like a jump walker, so it was pretty quick, and then they were both loaded up with multiple machine guns, like heavy machine guns, medium machine guns, and auto cannons. And I kind of thought about it ahead of time. Like My only real anti-tank in the list was my Panzer IV-X, Although it's really good against tanks and armor in general, it was really my only asset. And Luckily, I had those Falcons finished because I put a couple Panzerfausts on them. But in that match especially, I realized I need more heavy weapons in my conflict list. That was kind of second after playing the, all those Galahads and the Automatons. You also had more Automatons in the second game and then those Walkers. It was just really tough to put up a fight against them. So I felt kind of on the back foot the whole game. I think he... Ate they got the free artillery observer, and his ended up working out pretty good. It took off one of my squads and pinned me down quite a bit. And then those two walkers, I didn't really have much to answer for them. Really late in the game, I ended up getting one with the Panzer four ten with the Schwerfeld projector. And then it was kind of funny. Like, I don't remember what the exact... I think it was just a kill each other scenario. Or no, it was sectors is what it was. Because we started really close to each other. We were only like 12 inches away diagonally. And all of our stuff was concentrated in that one quarter. And he pressed me really hard early on. And then one of my reserves was my flame spinny. Which is kind of a... People seem to be pretty scared of it. Although it didn't really do anything offensively in my 
games. But it's a recce walker, so it's really quick. And then the flamethrower on it's pretty nasty as far as flame. Everybody knows how flamethrowers are in bolt action. But so I brought that on in reserve in the opposite side of my table from where the rest of my army was. And it was kind of funny, like he pushed like his entire army switch to going that way. I think if he would have just pressed like my main force early on, he would have been fine. But he ended up focusing all on that spinny and there was some useful terrain there. I was able to just either keep it behind or recce it behind this kind of high hill there. And it more or less made every shot he tried to take at it irrelevant because it was out of sight. That one was pretty handy, and then it was sectors, so that's where the Falcons came in again. They came in on late, and then with a couple of their flight moves, were able to get into his deployment zone. And I think he kind of lost track of the scenario and just focused on that land spinny too much, because that ended up being another victory for me. So I had two victories under my belt going into the last round. And my third opponent was, I think his name was Ian. I had played him last year. He was the one playing an American list, um, although it was modeled as French, but it was American rules because there's no French in bolt action yet. You mean conflict, right? Or conflict, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that, like, we were both had two wins, and then since we had odd players, like, there was no ringer, so somebody had gotten a bye, which counted as a win, so they also had the two wins, so I think the three of us were tied going into the last round so we were kind of on the top table deciding it. They kind of kept track of our battle points the whole time was going to be the tiebreaker. And this scenario, I think it was a little different version of Manhunt than out of the book. And I don't think that was for the better. So the Manhunt scenario, you just have to kill the lieutenant. And when I first read it, I thought we were trying to kill each other's lieutenant. And I like deployed my forces and stuff thinking that. And then I like my opponent told me, uh, right at the beginning of the first turn, that it was just him that had to try and kill my lieutenant. Now, if I kept my lieutenant alive, I would pretty much win. I guess you actually had to capture the, the opponent's lieutenant for the victory. And in the normal scenario, I think you're forced to put your lieutenant kind of in the center of the board um, with like maybe one or two infantry units or something like that. But in this one, it just deployed in your zone like normal. So we had a regular like 12-inch deployment zone. I had to set up as the attacker, well, as the defender, and then he as the attacker had a first wave, and it just seemed a little too hard to attack in that one. Um, he did get on me pretty quick, but I was able to keep my lieutenant position, so he wasn't able to charge it, and I don't know, I guess he was just kind of tired. It was getting a little later at this point, um, maybe like six or seven in the third game or whatever, so he ended up opting just to kill my lieutenant, and that just made it a draw. So that was kind of a bummer to not be able to play out the whole game, but it was probably kind of smart on his part because um, it was really, after I won the defender role, it was pretty heavily in my favor. So I think it was turn two or three is when he did that. So we still had a long time to go before the round was over or other people were done playing. So we ended up playing out the game a little bit longer just to you know, have some fun and take up the time. And then it was kind of up to whatever that other player did. And I think he ended up also getting a draw in their game. I don't remember how the lieutenant, I think, got killed accidentally from like an artillery strike or something like that. And then it went to the battle points. Um, Ian, my opponent in the second game, 
I think he must have like wiped his opponent because he had like a ton of battle points. I think he got like 17 or something like that. And I think myself, I only scored like 10 and the average was like 11 for that round. So since we're all tied at the end there, it went to the points. So Ian ended up getting first place and then I was second and that other guy was third. They did the rewards just first, second, and third. So I was able to take home. I ended up getting one of the medals. And then I got a $20 gift certificate for Warlord Games. So that was pretty cool to get something for second place. I guess usually there are like best allied and best access and stuff. So which kind of fill those spots, but this is a smaller one. So I was kind of afraid I wasn't going to get anything. So I was pretty happy to get something out of that since I did pretty well. And that was a pretty, I think that was funner than Nationals ended up being <laughs> just the three games. <laughs> Well, you did pretty well, so congrats. And it was run pretty smoothly this year. Like, last year, it was uh, a little rough. I mean, just kind of a not really well-structured event. This year, it was run a little tighter, and the TO was pretty nice and friendly. He was chatting with us the whole time and having fun in our games and stuff. So that was a really good start to the weekend. Yeah, it definitely helps when the events run tight. So then we went into uh, Saturday for bolt action for you, right? Yep, turned around Saturday morning right away. Um, that started Bolt Action Nationals. It was back to a two-day event this year. We got pretty familiar with the, some people from like the Chicago crew had been running most of the Bolt Action stuff in previous years, but it seems like Warlord's trying to make kind of a bigger push with their national games and kind of take it over themselves and kind of make sure all of their different large events like that kind of run on the same structure. They need to have like a trophy that kind of travels around and they'll have everybody's names engraved in it or something like that for when they win. So that's kind of interesting, but I guess didn't really know what to expect since we were really familiar with the Chicago guys running it. And I wasn't too excited about it being back to two days. It was previous years, but last year they had condensed it to one day, and uh, that was just pretty nice. I mean, not having to be there like the full day on Sunday, you were able to just come home at a more reasonable time. And if you play events on like Thursday even and Friday, it just gets to be a lot of games. Like I was really burned out on Sunday after playing six games previously. But it is what it is. Do you know what the attendance was? For nationals, yeah, um, I think I want to say there was like fifty-four slots or something like that they had available, and it was right about fifty. I think there was fifty-one when we started, and I don't know what happened, but somebody had dropped that first round. I don't know why or what. Maybe it was just because they lost. I think the first round, and there was odd people, so maybe they just wanted to do something else instead. So it was still a really good turnout. Uh, what I first one I went to, I think, was forty. The first nationals. I think it was yeah. capped at forty, anyways. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect. It seemed like a lot of people were kind of disappointed. It wasn't, you know, run by the familiar guys and not a single day event. But um, when I got there, it sure seemed like people were into it. Like I feel like the Chicago one, um, it had a lot more soft scores that were kind of laid out that you knew you'd have to play into a little bit if you wanted to kind of win the overall spot. And I think this one swung back a little bit towards the gaminess of it. Like, lists were definitely a lot more for the game, and there was a lot less themed lists. 
some armies, there was plenty of like pretty nicely painted and um, fancy display boards and stuff, but it was definitely a notch down of that and notched up on the competitive side of it. And I could definitely feel that in some of my games too. Like even before it started, there was like, I think I had like six in a row lists when people were putting their armies out where they had multiple launchers in them. And I feel like those are <laughs> not a real common thing in the usual fluffy bolt action armies. So mm. that was kind of set the tone a little bit. As far as my games went, uh, so it was five games. I ended up playing Germans four out of my five games. Most of my opponents were pretty cool. The first round, I liked that opponent quite a bit. He was playing on a German list. My last round was the only one when I didn't play Germans. In that first round, we were doing a scenario out of the book. Uh, how they were running it, they had like a packet of scenarios they released ahead of time, which were kind of some similar to what we've seen in other tournaments, but they were all like homegrown, had like made up ones. And then they were also going to maybe play some of the out of the book ones. And it seemed like they just randomly determined them ahead of the each round like they didn't even know what they were playing all day and i think that kind of didn't work too well for them like some of the scenarios just especially the ones they wrote up just weren't very clear and like some people that were playing them wrong and didn't really find out till they went to score it and stuff like that and then a lot of the attacker defenders don't seem really well balanced so i feel like that was kind of poor choice for a tournament especially when it was that competitive to not really pick your missions well and wisely to end up with a good result. So we did point defense the first round. I was playing pretty even with my opponent. We weren't really killing each other too much. And like towards the end of the game, it didn't seem like he pressed me hard enough early on and he didn't outflank anything, which I thought was kind of shocking. Usually that's a pretty easy go in the point defense where you have the three um, points you're trying to defend and how they have to be positioned. Two of them have to be on either side of the board. So usually an outflank is a pretty sure thing to get at least one of those objectives. So I was really surprised when he did that. And then kind of towards the end of the game, like he just hadn't pressed me very much. So on turn six, I was winning and he didn't even have anybody on the objective yet. I think he got close to the center one, but I was able to kill his the few units he got there off in turn six, but we ended up playing a turn seven, and then that one extra turn gave him the time he needed to get a few more units in to the objectives. Luckily, I'd cleared that center, but then on my right flank, I only had one unit over there and my armored car, and he ended up rolling a six on the armored car that round with the uh, uh, 88 indirect fired it, and that blew that up, and then the unit, I had one of my veteran units over there. They had one pin on them, and I, all I had to do was have a move back on the objective, and they probably wouldn't get killed out because he only had range. He had to run people on the objective, so he wasn't really going to be able to assault my veteran unit or anything like that to get him out. I guess he could have tried, but he was a little far in range for that. And he didn't even have to because my veterans ended up, they ended up foobarring, actually, and ran completely the other way. And then I still had one other unit of veterans, which I was trying to bring on the board for like the last three turns. And 
I couldn't roll a nine or whatever I needed to get them on the board. And they failed again that last turn. And all they had to do was kind of show up on the table and sit on that objective. So it would be contested and not swap hands. But since they didn't do that, it ended up giving them one objective and that led to a draw for that first round. So that was slightly disappointing. I didn't really have any anticipation to maybe like win overall after that. Like I got really lucky with all my wins last year, but I mean, a draw still isn't too bad, so I was still kind of into it. And then my second round, I ended up playing a guy I'd played for the top spot last year. He definitely had like a lot harder list than me, it felt like. He was also playing Germans again, and I felt like his whole list was like a step up for mine. Like I had some regular, most of my list was regular, like his was all better. And then he had one of the multiple launchers in there. and. Um, it just seemed kind of better leading into it overall. So that was kind of intimidating. And then this was a made up scenario. It was pretty much a sectors game, but instead of four quarters, the table was divided up into six different areas. So they were a little smaller and you still had to deploy in one of those areas. So, and that was in the corner of the table. Then your opponent would take the other corner and the table we played on. It had some low walls all over, but nothing that was really obstructing line of sight. So he had a heavy mortar and that multiple launcher combined with the small deployment zone. Like he was probably rolling to hit like four or five units a turn and with the multiple launcher with how it targets. And he was hitting at least like one every turn. And I ended up just not being able to clear out of my zone. You were able to deploy half your force and then you could leave another half in reserve, but that reserve force, I think usually in sectors we play it, they can come in anywhere on that long board edge. But this scenario had it set up where you could only bring them on the edges in that little zone. So how they would come on, they would just be trapped in that small area again. And I only got like three of my units out of the quarter. And it just, I don't think any of his other units really did any damage. It was just all the multiple launcher hit me at least once a turn per unit and there wasn't really anything I could do about it. So I lost that one pretty hard. That was an unfortunate second round. So then I didn't really have any hopes of winning anything anymore to live up to last year. Um, so that was a really fast round too. Like in my conflict event, I think all the rounds were two and a half hours and they were again in bolt action nationals and in conflict, maybe it was cause being slower just having to look up more rules and stuff, not being as familiar in all the weird units. But in all my bolt action games, I had no problem finishing it. And we were usually, I didn't have one of my games that went to time. They were all decided in six or seven turns. So that was kind of different. I usually had at least a half hour left. I think in the second round, it only take, it took us like an hour to play that game. So it was pretty crazy. But after the draw and the loss, I think it kind of put me down in the rankings pretty far. I ended up playing third round. My opponent was the guy who got the wooden spoon award for the event. He ended up losing all of his games all weekend. You ended up coming over towards the end of this game. Yep. And you kind of saw my opponent. He seemed really defeated before he even got his models on the table. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, oh, I like one of the second things he said to me was like, oh, I'm really bad at this game or whatever. And I was like, I'm sure you're not that bad. I'm like, uh, it sounded like he was. I mean, no, not not to not to take offense, but there's just some things you don't do in bolt action 
that or in any war game that he sounded like he was just fundamentally doing. Yeah, like the weird thing was that it seemed like he had that realization before we started, but then he did it again. Like his big mistake in our game, I'm trying to remember. What, oh, this was just a simple meeting engagement. So all we were doing was trying to kill each other. But he moved all this stuff onto the table, like not in cover, like out in the open. Um, I guess later on he said he was trying to move him so he'd get shots on me because as I brought my stuff in, I had them all out of sight or in cover at least. And which was the complete opposite of what he did. And then kind of from the start, end of that first turn into the second turn, when my reserve started coming on, like I was able to concentrate fire on those exposed units and he barely got any of them out, out beyond his deployment zone. Just they were too exposed. And like halfway through the game, he pretty much said, like, I see everybody else like hides their units and stuff. He's like, apparently I should do that or whatever. But like, it didn't take long. I don't even know if we finished all. No, he was throwing in the towel when I walked up, and you guys hadn't yeah. finished. Because I think I had killed, like, five or six of his units, and he didn't even take one of my order dice out yet. So, like, that was a really easy win for me. As Like, it didn't really seem like he wanted any more encouragement or anything. He was just kind of over it. Like, I had, like, offered him some pointers in our game, and... I would have, like, gave him some more tips after the fact, but it seemed like he wasn't really interested in it, so. No, he he couldn't pack up his army in that plastic bag fast enough. (laughs) Yeah. So, that was the end of my first day. So, I ended up even that day. I had the draw, a loss, and a win, so. It's not a terrible record. Hoping to bring my, whatever, my average back to winning a little bit the second day. So, how how did the second day go? So my fourth game was against Germans again, and this one was another scenario that was made up. The way like I initially was reading it, it was more or less like a different version of um, kind of double envelopment, but you didn't have to move off the table. You were just trying to get to the opponent's zone. Um, the deployment zones were set up diagonally across the table, so you were you were 24 inches, I think, away from each other or so, and then you were set up diagonally. And I thought it was just pretty much like media engagement where you were trying to, I thought the rules read that you wanted more units of yours in the enemy zone than your opponent had in your zone. But I guess how the TO intended it, like he explained towards the end that you had to have more units in your opponent's zone than they had units left in their deployment zone. And also keep them completely out of your zone for a victory. So I don't know how the heck you would do that. Like if you were playing it smart, you probably wouldn't even bother moving out of your zone. You would have like your whole army there to try and defend as people came across. And then you would be pretty much guaranteed a draw. Like that's nearly what my opponent did. Like I was trying to move up about like half my force. And he pretty much... I think he only maybe got six inches out of his deployment zone the whole half, and he just kind of defended me out of it. And we ended up a draw, and, like, it was just a really disappointing scenario. Like, I think a few people won it, but it was, like, the fourth round, and, like, probably more than half the field had a draw in that game. Like, it just seemed really weird. Yeah, I agree. There's one of the things that probably kept me out of playing bolt action competitively and being super excited about this edition is they did such a good job of balancing the game 
that it's so hard to do to have anything where you have to go on the offensive. So any mission that allows, you know, that encourages players to sit in a deployment zone and play defense, it's definitely not good for the game right now. Yeah. During that game, I think it was, I don't know, maybe the fourth turn or something like that when I realized what the victory conditions were and, like, uh, the units I was trying to bring to that zone against pretty much this whole force, like, had kind of stalled. And it's just like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, he's not getting anything to my zone. So I ended up just kind of bum-rushing everything I could over there. And I was just charging units and coming out of cover just for fun, just to try and... Like, it had no impact on the game. It was just going to be a draw no matter what. So that was just kind of disappointing to have the scenario be, like, I don't know, just a bad scenario. So, although, like, at that point, I wasn't too concerned about playing. I was just kind of tired. So from one standpoint, it was nice to not really worry about the game too much. But it also didn't give me a victory chance at all. So Yeah, you were suffering, I think, a bit from the hotel bed syndrome so yeah it wasn't too bad i actually felt pretty rested i mean on sunday morning i just i really wasn't into it throughout that first game i feel like i did wake up a little bit and then my fifth game like i wasn't even concerned about my record anymore i was just gonna have a fun game so that was kind of a cool finish it didn't take too long so it was just kind of having fun that game we actually played regular double envelopment and I just kind of committed myself, like, I went with the Soviet approach of, like, not one step backwards. Like, like, I just pretty much advanced everything for fun. Like, everything was moving, either running or advancing. Like, nobody was going backwards. It, I didn't play exceptionally strategic or anything like that, and it just kind of made for a fun, silly game. Um, this was actually a table that Aaron had built from the Northern Front podcast. It was his desert, desert table. There was kind of like a road stretching across the middle and it was kind of bombed out in the center and it was kind of a desert, um, maybe like a town city. It kind of had a railroad track with like a depot and some other buildings and stuff. And this was the game where I played Americans and we had our first waiver to ever come on and I just like charged my Panther 4 right down the table. It wasn't my last dice, so he ended up bringing his Sherman. He had a Sherman Jumbo. I was kind of surprised to see that. Like, I feel for the points, it's not really worthwhile. It ends up being armor 10, but it's also slow and just still has the regular 75mm gun on it. So, I don't think it's the best tank ever, but I don't know, he seemed to be enjoying it. He brought that up the road op- opposite me, and we just kind of were exchanging shots the whole game. So, that was that usually has a fun result. Um, I think he ended up hitting me with his first shot, and I think he ended up penetrating, but I think it was an on-fire result or something. I ended up with three pins on it. But I was still on the table, so that was... He ended up moving up again because he got the first dice and took another shot, and I think he missed that time. And then I ended up failing my check. I was trying to get my lieutenant over there to the tank. He was kind of nearby, but my 12-inch run didn't quite bring him close enough, and then he actually ended up getting sniped. I kind of forgot about his sniper um, before I was able to activate the Panther four. So (laughs) I ended up... I think I went for a rally check even, and I ended up failing that. So then he ended up backing up, and then the next turn, his Sherman moves up some more, takes another shot, and I think it put another pin on me. And then that turn, I finally did rally, and then like it was like the fourth turn, I think, 
he actually missed his shot finally. Then I was able to um, move up and take a shot. And I think I missed that one. And then we ended up like driving like on the fifth turn. I think he drove up more to get in point blank range. And I think he hit, but didn't penetrate that shot. I think he even rolled a one to for penetration that time, but then it was kind of fun. I drove my Panzer right up to the side of him. And like the barrel was of my tank on the table is literally like resting against the side of his hull. And I still managed to miss the shot on the dice roll for that. So that was pretty comical. And then I think that was the sixth turn. The game goes either six or seven. I think we rolled it because we were still also playing a game while we were having fun with our tanks. But the game technically ended. And he ended up having a pretty handy victory. But we played one more turn, turn seven, just to see what would happen with our tanks. So he ended up getting the first dice again. And then he moved by me and ended up getting a shot in the rear. And he did hit again, but then somehow he didn't penetrate it again. I don't even remember what he rolled. I don't think it was a one this time. It must have been a two or something, because otherwise I think it would have been a sure thing. And then finally, my Panzer had a little bit of redemption on that imaginary seventh turn and i was able to spin the barrel around and just fired at him and actually knocked out the sherman with relative ease when i finally was able to hit it <laughs> well, then, that sounds like a good know, way to end it yeah i don't know those are always seem to be funny exchanges when like neither of your tanks can kill each other and they're just bouncing shots off of each other the whole game so as the scenario was going he was playing Americans, and I think their move and shoot is a really good rule, especially in a scenario like this where you're trying to advance. So he was pretty much moving his units across the whole time. Um, I ended up, for the scenario, I put both my veteran units and a flamethrower all in the one truck. I kind of had all my eggs in one basket. And I think I held them off until turn like three or four, and my truck just wouldn't show up on the table. I finished, or I failed two of the rolls to bring it onto the table. And then it finally came in turn five. Um, so I had pretty much had to make two run moves to get it off the other table edge. I was trying to sneak it down a flank, load it up with like half my army or whatever. And the only thing he had over there was his air observer. His air observer moves, takes one shot at it, managed to hit it. So I get a pin. Then he managed to roll a six to damage it with his one rifle shot. And luckily he didn't knock it out. But this was the sixth turn. He ended up getting the crew stunned result, and it um, made me go down for that turn. So that put any hopes of having a <laughs> competitive score out of the game. Um, luckily, the seventh turn, I ended up jumping one of my units out there and ended up killing the observer like point blank with a bunch of <laughs> dudes. And then the truck finally was able to activate the seventh imaginary turn and get off the edge or whatever. But I kind of had all my eggs in one that in that one basket, and he kind of walked over the rest of my army. And the only highlight was that fun Sherman Panzer battle, but it was just a fun battle to end on. And I was kind of awake at that point, and they kept the schedule really tight on Sunday. They shortened lunch a bit even, so it was getting over a lot sooner. I think the final round ended at like three thirty instead of like four thirty or something like it was supposed to originally. So it was kind of nice. Um, if you didn't pick up on it, I didn't really have any shot of placing to get any other awards or anything. But they had quite a lot of prize support still. I think most all of it just came through Warlord somehow. Um, but after they did the top prizes for the medals and all the trophies and stuff, 
um, those all had gift certificates. And I think the top prize was actually like cash prize. I thought that was kind of surprising. I felt like I haven't seen that lately in a gaming tournament anyway. I think it was like 125 bucks or something. And then he also got like a gift certificate and a trophy and everything else. But then they had so much other prize support. They did kind of the usual thing where they just go down the list of people and one by one, everybody got to come up and choose something. So that was kind of cool. I didn't walk away with nothing from that. And I randomly grabbed one of the bigger prizes that nobody was taking up there was the Warlords Terminator Genesis game or whatever. I thought it'd be kind of cool to at least have the exoskeleton um, minis in there, or endoskeleton rather, minis. But so I grabbed that and then they had like a Bear Jew mini from Inglorious Bastards. They had a whole bunch of those. I'm pretty sure everybody got one of those. And then once everybody in the um, rankings had picked at least one thing, there was still a bunch of stuff left. So they just kind of said, whatever's left, come and get it kind of thing. And I ended up getting a little MDF graveyard thing. So it was kind of cool to walk away with a handful of prizes for the effort and still get to play a bunch more games of bolt action. So it wasn't too bad. I'd like to see the tournament run a little better um like i wasn't familiar with this guy i don't know if he he didn't really seem to be from a lower warlord but he seemed to like know them pretty well so i don't know if he run he's run other events with them or what but i'd like to see a bit more structure like the scoring wasn't really well laid out and it was kind of confusing and then definitely putting a little more effort into the scenarios and having some emphasis on soft scores would would definitely be a funner event in my mind but overall it wasn't too bad well, it sounds like you had a, a long weekend of bolt action and not any regrets about it, so that's good. No, it was great to have the motivation to finish some hobby projects, and I walked away with some prizes and got to play a bunch of games, which seemed to be hard to come up with lately, so it was really good. Well, that sounds good. So I think with all that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here, uh, and then when we come back, you'll actually get a... Uh, we'll, we'll do a little time travel and go back in time to an interview I recorded yesterday with Chris from our local Star Wars Legion group and, and talk a little talk with him a little bit about his experience uh, playing Legion at Adepticon and some of the announcements for Legion that, that also came out. And then we'll jump in and talk a little bit about my Gen Con experience, particularly with the Batman Miniatures game, and uh, finish up with a little bit about the future of the show and go from there. And we're back. And I've been joined by the one, the only, the most infamous Star Wars Legion Madison player I know of. Okay, maybe there's a bunch of us that are fairly infamous, but I'm joined by Chris. How's it going today, Chris? Hey, it's going good, Ben. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So we're here. This is our Epticon 2019 wrap-up show, and we're here with Chris to talk about the Star Wars Legion event you played in one of the qualifier events at Adepticon, and then we're going to talk about some of the cool release stuff that came out at Adepticon and some of the new Adepticon news. So with that being said, let's go ahead and just get started. Um, Chris, uh, this was your first Adepticon, is that right? Yeah, it was. The first time there, and it was a great time. I was just going to ask, you know, what did you think of it? Because it's it's definitely a different it's a different experience from other gaming conventions, I think. Yeah, I've been to Gen Con before. I've been to a few others. And Adepticon had a certain feel to it, which was really nice. I mean, everyone's there for wargaming and... You can tell it's really hyper-focused on that one aspect of the hobby, which is actually really cool because I saw airbrush painting rooms. I mean, I saw all sorts of things going on 
that you don't see at other conventions. Oh, definitely. I mean, and, and I've talked earlier in the show about some of the seminars and things like that that I attended, and it's been always kind of a practice of mine to mix those seminars to help me improve my hobby skills and learn stuff, and then also turn around and, and participate in some of the competitive events. So with that competitive events kind of idea, how was, uh, what, what event actually did you participate in? So just to make sure that we're clear, because um, there were multiple Legion events that, you pl- that were possible to be played in. And then just kind of give us a high-level idea or give us an idea how the games went for you. So I had the pleasure of getting to play in the Last Chance Qualifier, which, if I would have done well enough, I could have played on Saturday at High Command and earned a spot to Worlds. Didn't quite get there, but it was amazing. I mean, we had 64 people, no one dropped at all, 32 tables of pretty awesome terrain, actually, all things considered. We had some really great staff and people running the scenes that did a great job. It was an awesome experience for my first big Legion event. Now, this was run by, actually, by FFG uh, Fantasy Flight Games, is that right? The Officially, yes. The main marshal, though, was Brendan, and I believe his last name is pronounced Franz. Apologize if I got that wrong. But he also helped marshal LVO, and um, LJ Pena, who's a big guy in the Legion community, he helped uh, do LVO as a fan convention and fan tournament. He was also behind the scenes helping, but... He wasn't an official judge or marshal because he wanted to actually play this time around. Very cool, very cool. Um, so I do remember going to at, being at Gen Con this last year and looking at the Legion uh, qualifying event that was there and thinking to myself, like, the terrain was just kind of sub, substandard, wasn't enough, wasn't enough terrain on the tables, particularly for, I think, what the state of the game was at that time. And I was just, I was really floored and wowed by some of the tables and, and, some of the especially the top two tables where they were videotaping and i'm sure folks can go online and see the games from those tables but yeah everything looked like the the a game was definitely stepped up uh, quite a bit yeah so now they're no longer relying on ffg to bring kind of their own terrain that was the first early rally point qualifiers ffg brought all the terrain for that now it's really made by the community so for lvo i know a bunch of different groups got together and donated boards uh, same thing with Adepticon. The Chicago group donated, I think, two to f- six boards. You know, there was Arizona boards that were up there. There were boards created by 3D printers, and, you know, Dan Wolf Games sponsored a board to put up there. So, really, the quality of the terrain stepped up, and it's it was awesome. There's a few maps that I would love to be able to duplicate for us back here in Madison. That's good to hear. So, how are you? how did your games go? Pretty well. I was off to a hot start, and then I got crushed uh, near the end. But the nice thing was, even when I was losing, it was always a fun, friendly time with the person. Up, like, had some good conversations, met some guys I'd love to meet again. You know, hopefully at a con in the future. Perfect. And and so it sounds to me like you, the community and everybody that was there at Defcon is fairly. This is a fairly large fairly international type event uh so the community was really accepting and and very chill with the game and not it wasn't a hyper competitive or 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 that kind of feel to it huh i mean there were definitely people there to win but everyone was there to have a good time um one thing that amazed me there was a player that was coming up from australia i believe and on his many trips through many airports he actually had his army stolen uh the whole case, probably someone thought it was camera equipment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he posted that on the Legion Discord, and within about an hour, 
people were overnighting him an army to use to be able to play in the last chance qualifier. And then at the end of the qualifier event, Adepticon actually chipped in and bought him a new core set to help start rebuild what he lost. That's very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that definitely, I mean, that's a risk with traveling. I always, when I travel, like, that army is my carry-on, and I keep that thing. Like, if I can, I can plan that bag to go underneath the chair in front of me so that thing doesn't leave my sight the whole time I'm there. Uh, or, so, yeah, but even then, putting in, if I can jam it in a traditional luggage bag in the in the overhead, whatever I can do to try to keep it from being any kind of likelihood of being stolen, it's, the more you can do, the better. We talked about a little bit about the tournament and the tournament experience, and it sounds like you had a really good time. And this being your first Adepticon, it sounds like pretty pumped. You can plan it on going back again next year. Is that the plan? Or absolutely, yeah. And next year, year two of Legion organized play is a little bit different. But next year, Adepticon, it sounds like is going to be hosting the Worlds for Legion next year. So I hope to make an invite to it. That's very cool. So there were some big announcements at Adepticon this year as far as new releases, and, and we knew that this was coming down the line for a while since they let it off and let us know that it was coming back at Gen Con, but we actually got to see for the first time all of the Clone Wars stuff that's going to be coming out at the initial release. What did you think of that? How cool does Grievous look? I mean, it's got everything I really want in a Clone Wars set. Upgraded plastic? with sprues and it's going to be much more customization and hobbying with your droid armies you know you've got obi-wan so you know you're going to get more force powers more things brought to the game that way it is going to be a great chance to get more people involved in the game as well and it's all coming in quarter three so that is just a couple of months away oh, really I, i've got to imagine they're lining that up for a gen con release now that's my guess yeah makes sense the quality of paint too that was on the models that were in the case Looked like they've really ramped that up. It looked it looked like they had somebody that was doing like above average tabletop, good quality painting for the initial Legion releases. But it looks like they finally, like maybe they found a professional painter or something like that that's really quite good at painting up these Legion models for uh, the Clone Wars stuff and the rest of the stuff that was in the case that was there to be displayed. That were all the new release type stuff. So super stoked. I little sad that I didn't see my. Uh, my Jar Jar army. I need I need some <laughs> Jar Jar Binks and and some Gungans so I can so I can paint them up and uh, play Misa. Misa <laughs> throw the bomb bomb at you and kill your army. I mean, I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. If we've got Wookies, we'll get Gungans. I mean, I mean, we need those and we need Ewoks and we need uh, uh, what else was the annoying things that have been talked about that people want? I, I can't even remember, but definitely, I need Gungans and and Ewoks. Well, the main thing you got the Rolly Boys, the Droidekas coming in. Everyone wants to see those. Those oh, look yeah, awesome. Those were those look really cool. And the fact that I that the Droid Army looks like it's going to be a Horde Army. Just from all indications, those B1 battle droids are, are pretty much junk, but there's lots of them. Yeah. And then uh, the clones definitely look like they're just an upgraded stormtrooper, which was not too terribly surprising since that's kind of how they feel like in the films, but it, it's glad that they captured that right in the in the game. Um, it did take look like they took a lot of infra, infra, uh, inspiration from the animated for the look of Obi-Wan, um, like I noticed like how his beard was sculpted, um, and the look of the clone troopers that are look a little wider than, than the uh, clone troopers that I think appeared in the films. Yeah, so one of the interesting things, the clone troopers that are going to be coming in that base box are the Phase 1 
clone troopers. So if you watch the animated shows, or I think they might have even mentioned this in uh, the third prequel, there's a second wave of clone troopers that come through with the more streamlined armor, and I've got to assume that's going to be the next core set, you know, core group of troopers for the clone army. Yeah, I, I would think so. Like, I'm not sure how they're going to change them that much. Maybe if it's just the upgrades in the weapons that they take or something. Uh, because if there was one thing that I noticed, is it didn't look like they had a lot of, like, as uh, is, is an initial release, they didn't have a lot of ability to deal with um, armor right now in either army. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting how they are playing with the keywords that they have available. Um, clones are going to introduce a new keyword that lets you uh, add one team's attack pool to another team, and but then that first team you use is cannot activate during the turn. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an army that, even though it's high points and you know uh, a high value army, they can assist each other and work together like you'd expect clones mm-hmm. to be able to. And droids, you're just throwing hordes of guys at the opponent and hoping that something sticks. Roger, Roger. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, any either any of those armies looking at maybe your next possible ne- uh, legion army, or are you uh, uh, sticking Empire? Well, so I actually, even though I pretty much exclusively play Empire, I have a full set of rebels that are partially painted. But no, I really want to get involved with the separatists, a horde faction, the droids. They look like they're going to be really easy to paint and look nice, and man, it's going to be fun. For 36 points, you know, a relatively small amount, you get six units you get to push around the battlefield. I mean, I can just imagine an army with 100 units or something. Just oh, it's, it's B1 be, battle droids going It's to going town. to be activation spam for sure with huge units that are, yeah, absolutely junk, but you throw enough dice, eventually something sticks, right? You know, quantity has a quality all of its own. <laughs> well, that was definitely, definitely looks like that's what's going to come for the droids. And, and it'll be really exciting because the Clone Wars had so many access, so much access to vehicles and different types of vehicles. And the scale of vehicles weren't the size of the vehicles in Galactic Empire. So it's very possible we see some of the uh, four legged walkers maybe come out and a bunch of the different. Uh, droid vehicles come out as well i can't think of all what all the little ones that they had but they're they just ton, though, yeah. crazy and then between the and, and what they can farm from the animated series because that that show has run so long as well as uh including the new season that's coming out here on disney plus whenever that launches and uh, as well and then all of the film's content as well so it just seems like there's so much material to be able to draw from for Clone Wars. It's going to be interesting to see if they even outpace at some point the number of releases and available things you can choose from because the there really wasn't mass battles in any of the content that's out there for Galactic Civil War, right? Right. I mean, if I think of a ground battle in Star Wars, I'm thinking of, for the Galactic Civil War, maybe Rogue One, Scarif. I'm thinking of Hoth. But besides that, it's almost all prequel content. You it's, know, the battle for Naboo on Genosis. It's all right there. Yeah, it's just in the in the the ground combat that's there. We were talking about maybe twenty rebels being involved in ground combat. It's very small, specialized teams. Yeah. So it'll be it's going to be really interesting as the game evolves and continues to evolve. How much more of these factions start to shift to maybe a little bit more to what they represented in the film and less about... Because the Rebels previously have been kind of the Horde army, but I think they're going to become more and more specialized, and the uh, Empire will continue to kind of be what it is. Um, there's still plenty of contact content for vehicles and stuff like, th- stuff like that to 
fill out the list. But it's going to be really curious to see how much unit selection they can really bring for uh, uh, Clone War stuff. And the nice thing, they said that they would slow down Galactic Civil War releases while they're getting the Clone Wars factions up to pace, which is good for my wallet. Because I'm probably going to collect the, <laughs> the uh, Clone Wars factions, probably both of them, if I know myself. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's be a lot of people out there that I think are going to jump on on that bandwagon and be like, uh, "Yes, I'm buying them." Yeah, probably myself included. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll split a core box if you want. We'll see. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to go with only the clones or if i want to do both i just haven't made up my mind what i want to do i'm just was super stoked to see the models i really want to i really want to see i think and i think the droid army in particular it's going to be an easy army to paint and make look nice without having to like kill yourself painting it whereas like clones and stone troopers where you're painting all that white and whatever i painted one stormtrooper and it was like <laughs> frustrating and it, it looks really cool on the table it looks really cool but it's one dude and i have to try to paint a whole army so i've got to like go back to the drawing board and figure out a better way to paint these things yeah with the uh, droids probably just basin brown put a wash over them maybe do some highlighting call it a day I yeah they're I mean, gonna I, be super i could easy. chuck out armies of those things super fast yeah We've kind of covered uh, the releases at Adepticon. We've covered the, uh, your tournament experience at Adepticon. Before we wrap this segment up, I just wanted to let, uh, just ask, are there any events coming to the Madison area that you want to talk about from a Star Wars Legion perspective? Yeah, so we've got what's going to be called a Rally Point Qualifier. So, like I mentioned earlier, the state of organized play for Legion is being a little bit different for year two. So they are going to have these Rally Point Qualifiers. There's about 45 of them throughout the states. Each one is going to give one invite to Worlds. They're also going to have regional events that are kind of like Nova or LVO that are a little bit bigger, bring additional invites to the Worlds event, and then Worlds is going to be at Adepticon next year. So Madison at Misty Mountain, we actually have permission. We've given the thumbs up to do a Rally Point qualifier. It's going to be on June 22nd. So mark it in your calendar. Excellent. Yeah. Make sure you come on down to Madison at Misty Mountain Games. Uh, that's over off of Cottage Grove Road. Bring your army. It'll be 800 points, correct? Correct. It's still the standard size for that. It'll be um, the full, whatever the rules pack is from Fantasy Flight, to run one of those rally point qualifiers. So make sure you're there. Make sure you have your chance uh, to get in to qualify. Now, the qualifier is for Worlds, right? Yep. First so, place will get a invite to the world event. So make sure you're there and, and competing. And I know a bunch of us from Madison will be there supporting Chris and and making sure the tables look cool. Making sure the Chris has got some some players for you to come and beat on. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, I'll be running it. I won't get to play. I'll yeah. be the uh, to for the event. So I'll be sitting back. You get to beat on everyone, Ben. So, that, my track record in Legion's not been that good. We don't have a player cap yet. Misty's got a huge play space, so uh, this could be uh, turn into a very large qualifier if if folks want to come and make the trip to Madison for that event. Yeah, we're starting to look at what the logistics is. Maybe forty or more right now. We're looking at is what we have table space for. So. Trying to get all the nice terrain set up for that. It's going to be a fun challenge over the next couple of months. Yep. I think uh, I think Suzanne is going to have a little help with that, and I'll show you that in a second. So <laughs> Glad to hear it. All right. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this segment up. I want to thank you, Chris, for taking the time to record with us today, and hope we have you. Hope to have you back at some point in the future to talk more about Legion and, and talk about that part of the gaming that I'm doing uh, with somebody else is going to be awesome. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. All right. And we'll be back after this break. And we're back. 
okay, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into my stuff. So I only had one competitive event this year at Adepticana. Uh, so I had the, we already talked about the bolt action event that I did, but the, my big focus for Adepticon this year was the Batman miniatures game by Night Models. And I've heard me talk about that before on the show. I was definitely, I'm definitely getting into it. I'm probably, I would say Batman is probably my primary game at this point. The Battle of the Cowl, I think this is its fifth or sixth year. I'm not sure, but this is my second year playing in it anyways. Maybe it was only its fourth year. I don't know. For me going into it, I didn't have any real hobby to do. I did paint up some models for Batman and in the last couple of months, but none of that was specific to this particular event. But I did have part of my list selection was to pick out the models that looked the coolest on the shelf. And that happened to be my Brave and the Bold, which I hemmed and hawed a lot about uh, either doing that or playing uh, Arrow Team, the Green Arrow Team. Uh, for this event, but I did end up settling on Brave and the Bold, and I'm pretty happy I did. With the current Batmatch rules, you're allowed to take two different crews to the list, so both of my crews featured Nightfall Batman, and then I took in one crew, I had uh, Jim Gordon, the current new one. All of mine were all the newest, latest models, if possible. So it was Jim Gordon, Barbara Gordon, or I should say Barbara Gordon, uh, Batgirl, the Rebirth version, and then one of the, the SWAT cut with a machine gun, and I feel like, oh, and uh, Damian Wayne uh, Robin. So that was one crew, and then the other crew was Nightfall Batman, Constantine, Damian Wayne, Arkham Guard one, Arkham Guard three, and the Shield SWAT guy. So I ended up playing that second list almost all of my games except for the one hard loss. And I probably contributed a little bit to that hard loss, but honestly, I was just outplayed by a guy that knew the game way better than I did. I will note that all of the tables were just amazing, and if I don't know that I've posted all of the pictures I took to the Wisco Dice group on Facebook, but if you look at some of the pictures I took of the games and the and and whatnot for that, the tables just looked all just amazing. So I've got a big props. It just made it. Playing on the really cool tables with all painted models with every growth crews just made the games just super fun and awesome. And it was a great great mix of skill levels for all the different games, people's experiences with the games, everything from real beginners to veteran players that, that were there to play for you know competitive spots. My first game was against the League of Assassins, uh, which this is my third time playing against them. Probably be playing against them a lot soon, wouldn't you think, Brian? Yeah, I don't know why you'd say that. <laughs> uh, after a long time of playing with all your models, um, I was pretty happy when the League of Assassins box finally came out. Like they had the Raz al Ghul box came with uh, that was one of the little boxes with only three other guys. So I was kind of waiting quite a while for them to release some new of the resin updated version two models and now there's i think it's called the damon's air box so that comes with a full crew uh it's a regular bat box so i got that plus the razal ghoul box and i actually picked that up we had a battle uh batman night at noble night games that was only what like three weeks before adepticon or something like that and something like I picked that up all these all these guys that night and i had a real hard time not wanting to assemble these guys and 
make myself work on the bolt action stuff I needed for Adepticon and to try and put it off until after Adepticon. It, I was mostly successful, but I think I already have four of the models assembled and I'm really excited to have my own crew finally and play something consistently and get some games in with Batman with the League of Assassins. So I know yeah. they're your favorite. Uh, well, they're they're going to be fun to play against, that's for sure. So, and to that end, we did uh, we did go ahead and finally get an official, at least monthly game night set up for uh, Batman Miniatures at Noble Knight Games here in Madison, Wisconsin. Or it's actually technically it's their Fitchburg location, if you want to be specific. Um, but uh, so if you're in the Madison area and you want to play that the Batman Miniatures game, make sure you come out. Um, it's the third Thursday of the month, every month. So make sure you come on out and play. We sh- will have one to two games almost for sure every time we do one, or every t- every month. So uh, playing at least, which is super awesome to have some regular Batman play. And maybe, just maybe, I won't be so rusty with the rules because I haven't played in like four months uh, this time around. <laughs> Where next year when I play in uh, play in Battle for the Cowl um, uh, competitively, and maybe we'll have a little bit better showing. So uh, from the Madison side, but I didn't do too bad, honestly. Um, so my first match, like I said, it was against League of Assassins. This one ended up being a draw. And I was playing against uh, one of the guys who he came down from Canada. Now. Um, I generally got the idea that he definitely expecting to play much more competitively. And I, I think he groaned a little bit when he saw that I took Constantine. But honestly, and I think I would have won this game a bit more if I'd have known how to play my crew better. As it was, I, I think in the, in the list, I had six models in that list. And four of them I had never played with on the table before. So getting kind of a feel for what each one of them could do and what my rules were and and whatnot was a bit of a trick. But in the end, it was a 24-21 draw, my favor. Just super fun. And I have to say, I, Raish is a beast. And Constantine can take a serious beating. <laughs> My second game was against the Gotham City Sirens, which is the first time I've played against uh, that crew. And the first time I've played against a crew that had, like, real mind control power. And he had, like, the new Poison Ivy that's on the large base. Catwoman. No, he didn't have Catwoman in this list. He had uh, Harlequin in the list, though. And then he had scarecrow and and i think i got lucky a little bit with the way the terrain was that he had this like giant courthouse building that was kind of broke his deployment zone so he had to split he kind of split his crew and that means splitting scarecrow scarecrow far out so i focused almost my all my stuff early in this game to just knock out scarecrow who took a little more than i had expected to knock out and then when he was able to swing the rest of his crew around with poison ivy um I then suffered from the, okay, I don't know what I should do because I haven't really played against mind control. So I played that center a little over conservative. And then I got aggressive in combat with um, Nightfall Batman. And what I've come to realize over the course of this tournament is that 
Nightfall Batman, while he does a stun and blood damage, is not that great as a close combat fighter. Um, he's very good at setting things at fire with his ranged gun, but close combat fighting, he suffers as bad as any of the Batmans from the condition known as Batwhiff. And uh, I had a lot of that, and I just could not connect with actual hits on models very often, which... Uh, was a significant mistake and a big mistake in this game because he he did have his crew so bu bunched up very well that I could have got some nice uh, I could have gotten one or two nice flamethrower shots off with Nightfall Batman on the, on his crew and maybe not hit everything because he had you know the two models with Acrobat and whatnot but it would have made him burn counters off his models so that he couldn't do quite as much as it is I took a hard loss in my first time showing against Gotham City Sirens and I will say. This guy really knew his stuff uh, way better than I did, and honestly, should have taken the win, even even if uh, or in, in all things uh, coming down equal, because I just I did not have the experience. This was also the only game I took my five model list that had Gordon um, in it rather than uh, um, Constantine, which I don't know if that would, led to it or not, but definitely having that one less model probably played. A little bit into his favor as well on my side um third round uh, i took on a guy from chicago who was local there and for whatever reason he couldn't get he hasn't he isn't able to get very many games so he had a lot of older models he actually had only like, I think there was three four models in his crew he had uh the frank miller batman he had um kid flash uh, Speedy, and who else did he have? I feel like there was a fourth model, but I don't even remember who it was. Anyways, yeah, so... Frank, he, the bi a couple of big things to note in this game is he advanced... At deployment, he, and before, as the first turn started, he was able to get his Frank Miller Batman in a position where he was able to, to bat claw in and, and close combat attack my... Um, Damian Wayne on like the first turn which I was totally not expecting and I got super lucky and he only just got a knockdown result on Damian Wayne and a couple of stun damage and so then Damian jumped out of there because he's an acrobat back clawed down uh, beat up and knocked out Kid Flash and then the rest of it was just oh he had Red Hood in his list that was the other character he had and then Red Hood came around pretty quick, and Nightfall Bats and Damien beat him up. And then I came over and arrested those two. And so by, by like turn two or three, I think it was like uh, the beginning of turn three, he was down, down two models. Like my first activation was to run over and arrest the two guys I had knocked out. And, at that, and then at that point, he was just put, he, all he had was the two models, and I did knock out Speedy at one point. I just couldn't. He he could he woke him up, sewered him pretty far away, and I couldn't get to him. But this ended up being a big win in my uh, my favor. I think I had like forty some victory points to his like twenty some victory points, so a big swing there. And then my final game, I got to actually play on the cause they have a they have the actual Night Models Arkham Asylum like MDF kit, and it's all built. And then they have like this really cool like front yard and mat and stuff like that for the table and it just looks spot on sweet it's awesome but it's the and it's always table one so 
They did random tables for the final round so that people didn't know if they were necessarily playing for the win or not. And uh, so I played on, I got to play on this table. When I looked at it previously, I was really worried that there wouldn't be enough terrain on the table because it looks kind of open within the courtyard in front of the Arkham Asylum building. But, wow, I, it really did work out well. Now, my opponent was playing another Brave and the Bold crew, and he had the anniversary Batman, the one that comes on the huge base with the bats, who immediately dropped in and placed next to Constantine. And this is where Constantine being incredibly durable super came into play. So Constantine was able to survive that and then just basically survive a, another round of of big bats beating on him. And he was beating on him hard. Finally, I got the activation token to be able to sewer Constantine out of there and take him to the other side of the board where I was then able to just con consistently score all of my objectives every round for like the final three rounds. And I ended up outscoring my opponent again with like 40-some victory points in this one to like, I think he was in the 30s, but low 30s. So I did walk out of the tournament with two wins, a draw, and a loss, which was a super sweet record. And it ended up meaning that I ended up being... 10th overall in the total ranking so I'm super super pleased with that considering I hadn't played a whole lot lately and totally looking forward to going back next year and and playing some Batman and and definitely the name of the game in Batman today is definitely speed you need to be able to cross the table in a hurry and I was definitely able to do that with this, with this crew so that's kind of where I've been Batman wise and like I said we we were able to get some demos and uh, going at night, uh, Noble Night Games, and now we've got a, a weekly night for the Madison Batman play. So that's definitely something I'm super stoked about. I'm I'm really excited to get to be able to play on a regular basis now, and and actually have more than just like you and me, Brian, playing the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that too, and especially having my actual crew now, being that it's something that you surprisingly don't have in your massive collection. Well, I, I have the Liam Neeson uh, League of Assassins starter, but I only yeah, have that because I wanted all of the, the movie Batman figures. And then yep. they teased today on uh, Night Model's Facebook feed, they did tease... That Dark Knight uh, Rises? Yeah, the Dark Knight Rises content. They don't say what's going to be in it, but they did tease it, and so that sounds like we're going to get some some either new or re-released in the resin product for the, the movies again, which would be super cool if we could actually play uh, Crystal, Christian Bale Batman again or, or um, get the Heath Ledger Joker back out or even the uh, Bane from Dark Knight Rises. It'd be really cool if they turned that into like a two-player starter, which is kind of the rumor that's maybe going around, because I think that would bring a lot of people into the game. Yeah, I think that would be pretty awesome to have that big movie with all those models in it for their starter. I'd oh. be interested in it, and it'd be really cool to have version two cards for all those guys for sure. And that the old Bane was, or the the that Dark Knight Rises Bane is uh, uh, affiliated with League of Assassins too, so. That'd be another yep. dude maybe you'd be able to take. And if, if it was a full two-player starter, I bet you almost all of the thugs that Bane would have would be Assassin League of Assassins available too. 
Yeah, I'm sure they would probably go together. Should be pretty cool. So we'll see. I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked for that game. So that's definitely for sure is all about. Hey folks, this is the Conzi. Uh, after we recorded this, the news came out and uh, it's up for pre-order right now at the Night Metals website. Indeed, it is a two-player starter set for retailing at $150 uh, that features Christian Bale Batman. It features Catwoman from the movies, Bane, and uh, several other models, uh, including a Tumblr and the uh, uh, Batpod. So a super awesome starter. They also announced a Heath Ledger and the Clowns at the beginning of the Dark Knight movie um, when they're robbing the bank. So that's a five-model set. Uh, you can also get the Tumblr and Batpod as a separate purchase. And on top of that, we've got a Two-Face model, both the uh, movie or the movie version before he's Two-Face, so the White Knight version of him, uh, while he's still Harley Dent, Harvey Dent. And we've got a full, full-blown movie uh, Two-Face who can work with the Joker crew. So super awesome, all sorts of really super awesome starters and ways to get into the game to feature the the uh, Christian Bale uh, series of movies. Hopefully in the future we'll see uh, them go back and do the Batman, some of the Batman Begins stuff and re-release that, like the Ra's al Ghul from that original set, as well as featuring and, and releasing maybe a, a movie Scarecrow and some other stuff to, to kind of complement uh, all the other movie releases. Uh, if you didn't know, I'm a super big fan of those, uh, the Christian Bale series of uh, trilogy of, of uh, Batman. He's one of my, fa- he's basically my favorite on-screen Batman character. So I'm super stoked. In fact, I know Brian was super stoked and we both already ordered, pre-ordered our, our starter sets. Um, it's a great value, great way to get into the game. The starter set co- includes uh, a couple of card buildings. They're different than the other released uh, card buildings that Night Models did. Dice, templates all the tokens, all the kind of stuff that you're going to need to get started. So a real great purchase. Uh, both crews, when you if you add in a tumbler to either crew, uh, does make a 350 rep crew, so it's uh, uh, playable. Uh, otherwise, the crews, just the normal models, whether you take the vehicles out of it, are about 250 reps, so you, you'll need to add on. But it's pretty easy to add on, like a Jim Gordon and the SWAT cops for about $50 retail. Uh, which is four additional models would give you a lot of flexibility if you were adding that to the the uh, uh, Christian Bale Batman uh, stuff for a Brave and the Bold crew. Or uh, the nice thing with Bane is he does go to either League of Assassins or uh, the Bane proper crew, which I think uh, when you take this stuff from the starter, uh, the aesthetic is going to work better if you include in uh, make him part of the Bane crew because those mercenaries that come with, like, say, the Bane starter uh, look very similar or at least uh, at least close enough in similarity from an uh, aesthetic look and probably have better crossover and playability with the Bane stuff that comes in the starter set. So super exciting. I wanted to let folks know that is new. That's, they, those those uh, went on pre-order on 416, and if you pre-order, you will actually get an additional... Alfred uh, sculpt in your two-player starter as well uh, from the movies as well as an alt sculpt for Bane. Uh, basically, the sculpt that's uh, guaranteed if you don't pre-order it here is going to 
uh, have a coat on, and he's grabbing his chest, uh, the straps on his chest, um, and then the alt sculpt is basically the, roughly the same sculpt, but he doesn't have the coat, so he's bare arms and uh, just big, big burly Bane from the movie. So, uh, super really excited about that. Wanted to let you folks know, so in case anyone's interested, they can go ahead and get those orders in and get jump into the Batman game. Of course, uh, you can go to wiscodice.com and get any additional information you want about learning about uh, how to get into the game. We have uh, several articles out there. They are a little older, but they're good articles still as far as getting into the game. And or pop over to our Facebook group uh, at uh, Wiscodice on Facebook and, and ask any questions or see uh, all sorts of cool info about this release. Anyways, we'll go back to the regularly scheduled show. It's said Saturday. I just did seminars, so I did like a painting faces seminar, which was super helpful. And I, I think I took a whole bunch out of that. But that was like a lot of hands on. And then I was I I I knew I had the afternoon free, and I was just perusing the the available seminars and couldn't find anything uh, during event registration that really jumped out at me. So I took a, a intro to competitive painting class in the afternoon, and I have like that. I took like tons of notes. That guy. He did so much talking, and it was, like, we did a little hands-on, too, but he did so much talking about, like, things that I that I could take and turn into, like, how I, how I look at the art aspect of uh, miniatures and displays and, and those kind of things. And, and I was, and I said, I told, I told everybody at the end of the class, well, everybody else in this course, and it was a really tiny course, there was, like, five, uh, five of us in the course, um, I, I think I was the only person there that was just like, yeah, I was kind of looking the, for this to, to fill some time. And really what I wanted out of this course was maybe something I could take and put into, uh, putting myself in that next level of being able to win best appearances, uh, at events I compete at and at least feeling like I'm in competition for it. Uh, because one of the things out of the Batman event that it was that I had like three or four people when we when we did the display judging because it was player voted, walk up and t- walk up and tell me that I was in their like top four or five, uh, which was like a super honor. But I didn't have like a I didn't have a display board. I didn't have a lot of the other things that would go with really helping your crew pop. Um, and there were a couple of models that weren't necessarily painted up the best uh, that I could do uh, the like the. Arkham guards were some of my older paint jobs. And so it, it was really super awesome to get those accolades. But at the same time, like next year, I want to be one of the guys that are in the running if possible for that player voted um, best appearance and whatever other events I try to compete in. I'd love to be able to take my, take my game up to that next level and, and be able to take, take home a, a best appearance award or something. That's a good goal to drive for. So that's kind of where I mean, I figure if I win a few best appearances, then then maybe I'll think about doing competitive uh, painting and submitting things to, like, say, the Crystal Brush and, and the Gen Con painting. So the seminars were good. And then uh, I jetted out pretty early Saturday or uh, Sunday uh, morning. Um, took my time at the hotel. My I was supposed to play in an event, but um, it was kind of a small event, and I'd already... Uh, I was already just done. Like I, I called, I called the, I called Suzanne and said, you know, we talked for a little bit, yeah, and I was just like, I just don't, I'm done, I'm going home. So 
Plus, plus, if I, I knew if I ended up back at the convention center, I was going to buy some more um, <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire, or I was going to buy some supplement, supplemental product for the Song of Ice and Fire, which was pretty much sold out at cool, the Cool Mini booth. Um, I and really uh, giant swag bag. Yeah, the giant. I, I'm like, I had enough. Yeah, because I had the VIG swag bags, massive bag of of stuff. Uh, plus they had given me the song of ice and fire with it. So I went home and, and that afternoon, Suzanne and I sat down and played like, uh, what ripped open the rules, set up all the models cause they're all pre-assembled and we played a game, kind of a learning game where we were mostly, we were just smashing units and she smashed me hard, but it was fun. It was like super fun, super easy, super killy kind of game and i i was sold so then monday i went out since i was off i bought a bunch of supplements now for the lannisters and Starks, so that we both have kind of you know some additional choices and we're going to try to set up and play a full game hopefully yet this week or weekend or something so that's going to be something new we're going to be talking about uh, i'm sure down the road on the show on top of that we're both doing some uh, Middle Earth strategy battle game, I think. Yes, I've gotten back into that a little bit. It was kind of um, sidetracked with getting bolt action stuff ready for Adepticon, but I've always really liked the Lord of the Rings game, let alone like the theme and all the models modeled after the movie and stuff. So, trying to kind of get my collection back in order, and I was really looking forward to doing some hobby on them. Um, I think the Batman crew is going to sidetrack me a little bit, but I think I'll probably be playing that semi-weekly again. Um, and I'm really excited to get back into it some more. Yeah, I think when there's odd people playing Legion, I'll probably play some Middle Earth too, because that's on the same night. So it's kind of nice. I'll instead When I go on Tuesdays, I'll pretty much for sure be playing something. But um, So I, got, I dug out the old Mordor while I'm working on my Rohirrim, and um, we'll see. See you uh, see how the games go so maybe i'll get super excited about about this and and not be as excited about legion i don't know <laughs> it's kind of hard i get i got at least i have a fully painted legion army <laughs> yeah do you have to collect some more stuff for that it well like a lot of things been coming out there's constantly stuff releasing for legion so um but i don't have that much that i feel like it's ne- uh, necessary for me to buy for the rebels so we're pretty good. I'm pretty good in that that category. I did probably a couple more support. I need to paint up some more stuff, but nothing I don't already own. What else are we doing? I think I think those are the bat, the the big the big ones right now that we'll probably be talking about in the upcoming shows. We'd also love to if you know you have something specific gaming wise. Neither of us are as big into the Games Workshop thing anymore, and. I don't even think I own anything for AOS anymore, so we probably won't be talking a whole lot about uh, those types of gaming in the near future. Um, but what you, you can expect out of the show moving forward is uh, lots of things we're talking about is going to be the things that we're playing. We're kind of all over the place. Um, so lots of, lots of miniature games from different companies. There's going to be some fantasy stuff. There's going to be some modern superhero. There's going to be probably a little sci-fi stuff. Um, I didn't pick up the Gaslands book. I'm kind of excited to give that a try sometime. Yeah, some Gaslands. Uh, very, we'll, we'll be all over the place. So the, the big thing is, if, you, if there's something you, you're really interested in and you want us to talk about, 
shoot us an email at um I mean, hosts at whiskodice.com, I think is the right email address, or you can email me directly at bcone at, at whiskodice.com and drop us and let us know what you'd like to like to hear about. And we'll try to, if we don't, if we're not playing it, we'll try to talk about it and, and hit it up on the show at some point. All right. I think that's about enough. Um, partially because I think I just lost Brian because my battery ran out. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you uh, leave a review and iTunes and or Stitcher Smart Radio. And you can feel free to email us or follow us on Facebook for all of your updates. Until then, peace out. <laughs>